Praise God. Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica. The church was growing in faith. The Bible says if you read the first few verses, he commends them. Hey, your faith is growing. He said your charity or your love, it abounds. It's, it, 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 you, these are things that are, that are amazing. He's, he's, he's telling them and commending them for, for having some right things going on. I, I look at that and I think, boy, that reminds me of some place. I, I think that reminds me of the church that I go to. There's some faith that is abounding here. There's people that are coming in and attaching themselves to what they're feeling. Why? Because there's also something else that is abounding called love here. Charity. There's a love for brothers and sisters. But then Paul, he gives them a little bit of a warning. He says, hey, you've also got some people that are against you. There's some troubles, there's some persecution that you're dealing with. And I just want you to understand that not everyone loves a spiritual church. There's a lot of people that come to church and they don't care one little bit about growing in their spirit, growing in their faith, growing in their love. All they care about is putting the time clock in. Hey, I made it. I came to another service. God owes me something. But when you start pressing people towards a deeper relationship with God, sometimes it causes people to either attach themselves in a greater way or separate themselves further. And so that brings the question, where do I fall? And so Paul begins in verse number 7 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And he addresses those that are being persecuted, those that are having trouble. And he says, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. He calls them to a place of rest. Even in the midst. That's why David said, even though, Lord, you, you've made me a banquet right in the middle of my enemies. You know God can do that. In the middle of your trouble, he can bring rest into your life. But when you're being persecuted... When you're being downtrodden, when you're being spiritually beat up, I want you to understand that God has designed it for you to find a place of rest in Him. God has designed it for you to find a place of peace in Him. Rest with us, and when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day drop down to chapter 2 verse 1 now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our lord jesus christ and by our gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind somebody say i won't be shaken come on say it again i won't be shaken be not shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. I now take you to Romans chapter 13 verse 11 and that knowing the time. Does everybody know what time it is? I'm not talking about the time that my watch is talking about right now 11 42 
I'm talking about the day and the hour that we're living in. Does everybody understand that Jesus Christ is coming back very soon? Amen. That everything is set up and that we are in the last few moments of this world. Amen. Before Jesus Christ is going to come back and take his church out of this old messed up world. Amen. Things are about ready to change. Amen. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't forget where we stand and where we are because knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed Paul says rest to the Thessalonican church but he looks at the Romans and says hey I know what I said to the other church it's okay to rest, but don't you dare fall asleep. It's not okay to sleep. I want to preach to you for the next few minutes. Rest, but don't sleep. Rest, but don't sleep. I'm going to try to go quickly here. Amen. My grandmother, I went up. She's been here in our town now for a few years now and staying over here in the care facility that... Uh, my daughter Morgan works at, and uh, so she gets to see Morgan almost on a daily basis. And uh, my grandmother is 99 years old. I'm very fortunate to still have my grandmother in my life. Most people don't have grandparents that are 99 years old. Most people pass away. But then, as a matter of fact, the flu is going around uh, out there. And my daughter told me the other day that there's only uh, a couple of people that seem like don't have the flu. One of them is 98 years old, and one of them is my grandmother that's 99. Still pretty healthy. I'm like, you know, the Lord has blessed her with good health and kept her in, in relatively good shape. Or her body's began to uh, become weak, but her mind is still pretty sharp. But there's one thing that I've noticed about my grandmother. All my life, I've known her. She's always been a worker. She's always been busy up early uh, and stays up till late. And, and she would have her routines. And, and even though she was a, a stay-at-home uh, wife for many, many years, I never saw her just sit down and relax. Now, my grandfather, I'd watch him relax a lot. But, but not my grandmother. She was always up and busy and moving and constantly on the go. And my grandmother, I will walk into her room over there to pay her a visit. And she will promise me that she doesn't sleep. She will promise me that she doesn't take naps. But, but I know better because I've walked in there several times and, and I've made a little ruckus, a little noise, you know, stirred around, been talking with my wife or somebody else that might be in the room or down the hallway. And, and I've moved things around and, and all of a sudden I'll, I'll go up to her and I'll say, Grandma, Grandma, I'm, I'm here. You know, it's Doug. And, and it's, uh, she'll pop those eyes open and grab her glasses, put her glasses on, and we'll start a conversation. I'll make an apology. You know, I'm sorry that I woke you up. You know, I really felt bad waking you up. And every time, I don't think there's one time that she's never not said it, but she will always say to me, oh, I wasn't sleeping. I guess you wouldn't have to sleep if you're resting that good. <laughs> I don't know where the definition between rest and sleep falls off in her mind, but to me, you know, if I can move around in her room and she's not deaf, she hears a whole lot better than I hear. And, and she can hear things very, very good still. So it's not that she can't hear me moving around. And so the other day I walked in and, uh, I moved around quite a bit and I stirred things around, sat around and, and talked with a few people and she never did stir. And so finally I decided, well, I, I know she would want me to wake her up. And so I, I reached down 
down, I was going to gently just give her a hug and, and kind of, she was in her chair. And so I knelt down real close to her and I put my arm around behind her neck and I drew her in close to me just to kind of gently wake her up. You know, it's a little better on 99 year olds if you don't just walk in the room and say, wake up, just kind of ease them out of that sleep, you know. Like, I don't want to be responsible for Grandma at 99 having a heart attack because I, I wanted to visit with her. And so I just very gently put my arm around her. I kind of began to draw her in. And the next thing I know, she's shaking and she's looking. Her, she doesn't have her glasses on. and She can't tell who I am. And I came this close to having a 99-year-old woman that, that that's a real frail, thin little thing just about cold cock me right in the nose. I mean, she didn't know what was going on, but she knew she didn't want any part of it. She shoved me away and drew back her fist. I said, Grandma, it's me. It's me. It's Doug. Whoa. So she got a big smile on her face and she threw her arm around my neck and gave me a big hug. Oh, Doug, it's so good to see you. Like you, I said, you weren't going to just let anybody come up and give you a kiss on the cheek and a hug around the neck. Where she goes, why no? I said, but I'm special, all right? She says, well, yes, you are. And so I gave her a kiss on the cheek. And once she knew who I was, and, and so I said, you know, I didn't want to wake you up. Oh, I wasn't sleeping. All right, Grandma, you're 99 years old. I'm not going to argue with you. You you say you weren't sleeping. You weren't sleeping. But I've come to tell you tonight that the Bible talks about rest and the Bible talks about sleep. And, and the Bible recommends us to rest. The Bible recommends for us to be able to have a restful place in God. But the Bible warns us against falling asleep. And I believe I understand why. It's because when we rest, we still have an, enough of our conscience we still have enough of an ability to understand what is going on around us. But when we fall asleep, just about anybody can come up and get close enough to us to put their arm around us. And not everybody's got their arm around us to give us a hug and a little kiss on the cheek. There are enemies out there that are just waiting for us to fall asleep so that they can come up and put us in a stranglehold. Amen. But God wants his church to be alive. He doesn't mind us resting in him but he wants us to be full of his spirit God tells us don't you fall asleep especially in the day and the hour that you're living in I love every part about these scriptures that we just read because of the story that it tells a thing that will happen you know I guarantee you the Thessalonican church was probably pretty pleased with Paul's letter to them okay you know I've got people that are uh, coming against me and we're trying to do things that are right and we just love everybody and, and we're growing in faith and we're having people uh, filled with the Holy Ghost and miracles signs and wonders are taking place in the church but we've also got people that are outside and some probably that are inside that don't want anything to do with it we've got people that are bringing persecution against and so Paul says they're going to get their day in court. They're going to get their day when God is going to set everything that was evil and bring judgment to them. Jesus is going to be with you one of these days and he's going to give. You're going to be able to praise him the way that you choose to, to praise him. But that day is not today. There's times when we still struggle. There's times when we still have enemies and adversaries that try to rip away what God wants us to have. But when those times come, it's okay to find a place of peace and God knowing that he is there but don't you dare drift off into a slumber and allow the enemy to come in and steal your joy steal your peace and steal your spirit that God gave his life for you to have Paul says guard your mind guard your spirit and don't let the unbelievers get to you and that's pretty good stuff Paul and then he begins to write the words that scares me to death 
He says there's going to be a great falling away. There's going to be those that once knew God that will turn their back on him and walk away. Why? What is it about some people that have been in the presence of the Lord and had his spirit, you know, envelop them and, and feel that love and feel that faith that they feel uh, when they come into the house of God where the spirit is allowed to move? What is it that that, that is not enough to help them get established? Uh, what is it that they're able to trade eternity for this life, even if it, you get to live to be 99 years old? Amen. What is 99 years in comparison to eternity? I'm telling you, the Bible says it's like a vapor. It's just a wisp. It's just a, a, a moment of time. And that's what our life doesn't matter how long that we live on this earth amen we've got to understand that we must be vigilant we must be sober because we have an enemy that walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour guard yourself stay awake amen stay rested but stay awake don't you slip over that line into slumber to those that are spiritually awake the answer seems very clear i've already made up my mind that neither depth, no height, no circumstance, no amount of money, no fame, no fortune, no material thing, no friendship, no relationship. Nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ. Amen. I've already set my goals a little bit further than this life. I've set my eyes upon things that this world cannot give me. Amen. There's nothing that shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. There is a determination that nothing can deter. But I send this message out today for somebody that might be slipping off into what seems to be a dream. The devil would just rock you, tell you everything is okay. You just fall asleep in my arms. He always makes the initial experience very comfortable, very good. Tries to build up our trust in him, making us think, I'm getting away with it. I see others getting away with it. I can do this thing. It doesn't seem like anything's happening. Nothing's going wrong. Nothing's, nothing's going to take place. Amen. That's going to, I can handle it. But all of a sudden we find ourselves drifting off into a slumber. And when we wake up, it's not the same world that we fell asleep in. I was living in an apartment and I was by myself. It was in between moving out from home and being married yet. I hated living alone. I was always trying to talk my brother-in-laws and come and spend the night over there trying to, you know, I'd try to entice them with fresh donuts in the morning, <laughs> you know, anything I could do just to have somebody keep me company, you know. I wasn't scared. Okay, don't think I was scared to be my own. I just didn't like being lonely. I was never cut out to for the bachelor life. I need people around me. I, I enjoy people's company but I was all alone this night and I fell asleep and for whatever reason I had fallen asleep with with this arm up behind my head like this anybody else ever sleep like that sleep on your back well I don't know why I did it but maybe my neck was I don't know but I fell asleep and in the middle of the night it was still dark and I woke up and I don't know if uh if my arm was itching or what but I went to to move this arm to to scratch another spot on my body and, and my arm wouldn't move. Like, well, that's odd. That's really weird. I'd forgotten that I fell asleep like this. And I began to try to move it and I, I tried to roll myself over with that arm and there was nothing there. And so 
I did the only thing that I knew to do. I took my good arm and I reached over feeling for, I thought, well, it's falling asleep. I'll just have to move it around a little bit. And I reached over this side, but this arm was up here. And so when I reached over with this arm, there was nothing there. You know that state of mind kind of like you've just woken up, but you're not really quite awake yet. And there was a few moments of panic there that I had where I thought, where am I? What happened? Was I in an accident? Was I in a wreck? Did my arm get amputated and I'm just now finding out about it? I mean, I was starting to wonder what was going on. Then I looked around and I saw, well, no, I'm still in my apartment. Something's had to happen. And I began to work my way up and I'm like, oh, there it is. Found it. But I couldn't move it to save my life. I'm not talking about it falling asleep a little bit and it was t- kind of tingling and uncomfortable. It was dead. It was useless. Matter of fact, when I got it around to the outside, it looked like it was jello. It looked like all the bones had gone soft in it. it nothing picked it up and it just fall back down on my, on my chest and I tried to move it around and then about 30 seconds later, then I began to feel that little sensation going on. You know, it's like, Ugh, you know, that tingling feels like it's being pricked with a thousand little needles all over your uh, extremity. It's coming back awake, and, and that arm had completely gone to sleep. It was completely useless to me. Now, my story turned out okay. My arm was still attached to my body, and all it took was a little bit of rubbing and massaging it, and the tingling sensation began to work its way back into the muscle tissues, and life came back into that arm. But if you do not wake out of a spiritual sleep, you'll find that it is too late for God to do anything about it. Thank God that he's not come back yet. Thank God that there's still time, but there's people that are falling asleep every single day and walking away from the presence of Almighty God. God, I'm here to say, wake up out of the sleep. Wake up out of the slumber. It's not time for now. It is high time for us to be wide awake doing the work of the Lord. This message came from an odd place, as a lot of my messages do. My grandson is great fodder for uh, sermon material. Easton, he's, he's, I don't get a lot of material from that, but so is my job. You hear me talk about my secular job quite a bit. I went to uh, a particular house. I needed to get a signature. Not every package needs a signature, and I usually just drop and run, but this one needed a signature. And so this this man came to the door, and I can't remember now if I was fairly early in the morning or whatever it was, whatever the case might have been, whatever time it was. He had been asleep. It was very obvious. I had woken, brought him out of his sleep, and he comes to the door, his head, his hair's a wreck, a disaster. You know, he's uh, got that five o'clock shadow going, his eyes, he can barely get them open. And I said, I'm really sorry to wake you, uh, sir, but I said, I've got to have a signature for this particular package. He's rubbing his face. He's like, oh, that, that's that's okay. Yeah, where, where did I need to sign? And he's looking at the little power pad that we call him. It's got a little screen on it down at the bottom, a little X, and you turn it and give it to him and hand him a little stylus for them to be able to sign their script their name off on it and you're on your way and so I handed in that power pad right there and I handed him uh, an ink pen he grabbed the ink pen and just immediately dropped it and I was like oh hang on a second I'll get that for you and so I handed it back to him and he dropped it again I was like okay this dude's really having some trouble here I don't know what's going on but you know he partied a little too much last night or there's something going on here and that's when he explained to me he said I can't feel anything in my hand. My hand is, is totally asleep. So I said, well, let me hold the power pad for you. And he, he grabbed it with his other hand, which was not his dominant hand. And that hand was asleep as well. So he grabbed the pen and he began to scribble it out his name on that. And he dropped it again. And I come to realize that the problem is, is that you cannot do very much if you've fallen asleep. 
things that normally work right, things that normally aren't a chore at all, things that normally just go along in our routine, all of a sudden become very difficult if you have fallen asleep. The rest of his body was awake, but he was handicapped because a part of his body had drifted off into a sleep. For the church to be the church. Amen. God does not want landmark apostolic church to be a church that is handicapped. Amen. He doesn't care if we come in and have great services. Amen. If we're not having people baptized in in Jesus' name. If we're not having people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If we're not having people delivered. If we're not having people healed. Amen. God says, I want more than just you to have a good service. I want there to be a vibrancy. I want there to be a power. I want you to be completely awake so that you can do what I've called you to do as the body of believers. The Bible calls us the body of Christ, but the body cannot perform its duties if it is handicapped because of the numbness that comes with falling asleep. What caused that man's hand to go numb was the same thing that caused my arm to be useless. Lack of circulation. What am I talking about? Lack of circulation. I'm talking about the blood was not allowed to reach the body. Don't tell me that the blood of Jesus Christ is not important. Don't hand me a song book where they've taken the blood out. Don't expect me to preach messages that leave the blood out because the blood still has to reach the body in order for the body to work. Amen. The blood still has to be able to circulate. we got to have the blood moving in our midst. Otherwise, we become numb and we become useless. Amen. Clap your hands if you're thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ today. Oh, oh, precious is the blood. Precious is the blood. God, keep me in a place where I can be touched by the blood, where the blood can cover my sin, where the blood can cover my life. Keep me in a place where the blood can be circulated, not just to me, but let it circulate through me. And when I lay my hands upon a sick person, when I lay my hands upon somebody seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let the blood begin to circulate through the body in a way that revival can break out and miracles can take place. If the blood can't get where it needs to go, blood can't do the job that it was intended to do. The first warning sign is numbness, loss of feeling. Boy, you were right on again this morning. He's sitting there teaching. I'm up here grinning like a Cheshire cat thinking, God, you know exactly. We don't talk about these things. They, this is just God working. He couldn't have set this, this word up any better this morning with that adult Bible lesson. Amen. The first warning sign of numbers, numbness is numbness, the loss of feeling. And so if you can't feel God the way you used to feel God, maybe there's a circulation problem. Maybe the blood has been cut off in your life, and I guarantee you it wasn't God that cut it off. These tourniquets that we apply, we apply them our own self. We put them on our own spiritual life. And if you don't do something about the numbness, it won't be long before immobility sets in and nothing can move you. You know, I know worship is not everything, but when I see a lack of worship, it shows me a lack of feeling. And where there is a lack of feeling, it's only a matter of time before nothing can move you. I could have done things 
all day long with that arm but until I got the circulation, until I got the blood moving back through the muscle tissue, until I got the blood back down there moving through that extremity, that arm was absolutely useless to me. It took the blood flowing to the place that needed to feel it, amen, before it had usefulness to it. How long's it been since you've been in a place where the blood moved you? How long's it been since you've been in a place where tears flowed down your face and you felt the overwhelming power of God come into your life? Amen. If it's been been too long for you let the blood touch you again today it's okay to rest but don't you dare fall asleep we're amazed when we see little babies in church sleep through a service because our services are noisy our services are emotional okay there's my grandson my youngest little grandson he have i not been i'm loud enough without the microphone but i got a, a microphone in my hand today and he just he's out like he's been drugged with dramamine or something like that I don't think that's what we do to them to keep them quiet in church. Oh, well, the older one is too. We've got, we got three or four babies that are sleeping in this place. It's, we've already had an altar call. People have shouted all over the place, been slain in the spirit. Uh, I've been preaching uh, through a microphone very noisily, and yet they fall asleep. Why? How can they fall asleep in all this ruckus and all this mess? i tell you why, because they become accustomed to it. Now, that's awesome. In the natural sense that a little child can feel so comfortable in the house of God that they can find a place to rest right in the presence of Almighty God and His people that are worshiping Him. But the danger is when we can do that in a spiritual sense. Coming to church and sitting on a church pew is not a guaranteed ticket that you're on your way to heaven. We have to participate. We've got to be moved and be a part of the moving of the Holy Ghost. The rich man cries out to Father Abraham, and he's in hell. He's begging Abraham, send Lazarus back from the dead to warn my brothers not to come to this awful place. Amen. But Abraham said in Luke chapter 16, they've got Moses, and they've got the prophets. They've got a preacher. They've already got a preacher. And if they're not going to listen to the preacher, they're not going to listen to a person that was raised from the dead. I'm not saying it's a perfect way. Even the Bible says that people are saved by the foolishness of preaching. I'm not saying that I'm the world's greatest preacher, but I'm telling you what, I am the preacher that God called to this place. And if you won't hear me, God said, you're not going to listen to somebody, even though they wasn't, they were called back from the dead. The preacher had the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon him. And I'm here today and I'm not trying to rock you into a slumber. I'm trying to wake us up. There's power in this place. Amen. There's anointing in this place there's growth in this place there's healing in this place today if we will arise and wake up to the power that God has invested in us he said if you won't be stirred by the word of God then nothing else will move you it's just God's way the blood cannot be allowed to be staunched by the tourniquet of apathy apathy is a tourniquet that shuts off the flow of the blood Compton's Encyclopedia says this about blood. Now hear this today. This is interesting. I'm going to go into teaching mode here for just a minute. There's purpose in the blood that's in your body. I know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Thank you, Brother Rice. Mr. Obvious. Pastor Obvious. Its purpose is to provide food and oxygen to the tissues. The blood that's flowing through your veins right now. Even the Bible says life is in the blood. John 10 and 10 said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Boy, we've been all over that scripture here lately. It just keeps coming to the surface. 
You know what? My my grandmother is still has life in her body at 99, but it's not really abundant life anymore. A lot of times she's sad. She's sad because she remembers the way it used to be. When she could get up and cook supper for her, her family, when she could make homemade glazed donuts that would make her grandchildren smile when they walk through the door. When she still made these dumplings that she called riffles. Y'all know what I'm talking about back there? You've had some of grandma's cooking. Her riffles were amazing. I still talk about that. I, You know, say, Grandma, I know you're kind of old now, but could you, any way we could get you in the kitchen there and you could make some riffles? <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not that she doesn't want to, but it's just not going to happen. There's a difference between existing in God and living an abundant life in God. Some of us just choose to exist. We're happy just to kind of sit in His presence and then others are looking for that abundance. God, use me. I don't want to just be the average bench warmer in your kingdom. Take me and use me. And that's different for every single one of us today. Too often times we look at another brother or another sister and say, use me like them. And God says, I don't want to use you like them. You're not them. You're you're you. And because you're you, you have a certain unique ability, a certain unique talent, a certain unique personality that will only fit the requirement in the job position that God has called you to. I watched a little TJ here. This kid, you you just got, I'm really proud of you. First solo a few weeks ago. You know what? There's no telling what God may do with him. There's no telling what God may do with a Michael Medeiros. But whatever he chooses to do with Brother Michael is something he's not called me to do. Now, we all have certain things that he's called us to do that that bring us all together and make us all in the same body, but the body has so many different functions. What he has called you to do, only you can do. But the blood has to be able to flow to where you're at, you're part of the body. Some of our young people are so amazing. And the devil is so scared of them and he hammers at them and he tells them they're worthless. Not all of them, but some of them, he he whispers in their ear, you're always going to be a failure. You're never going to be able to live up to God's expectation for your life. You're never going to amount to anything in God. Why don't you just give it all away? But the devil also knows that if they, they ever stop listening to that and they let God begin to move in their life, that there are things that will never be able to be accomplished by anybody else but them. blood not only provides food and oxygen but it removes waste the blood has the ability to cleanse it also is where the body fights infections the blood provides nourishment provides a power the fuel 
the blood washes away the bad, the toxicity that's in your muscle tissues. It's the blood that comes through and takes all those things out. And the blood cleanses the body. Is anybody thankful today for the blood of Jesus Christ? Would you stand with me? If you go home after this service today and you accidentally slice your finger preparing Sunday afternoon dinner, you lose quite a bit of blood, do you know what? Your body will reproduce the blood that you're that you lost. Given time it will it will reproduce. Because it knows it has to have blood to survive. I hope that today we we've captured this thought. That without the blood, I'll never spiritually survive. And the blood that was shed on Calvary that I think they're playing right now will never lose its power. It's always going to reproduce wherever there is a need. The blood will be there for your need today. I don't care what you've done, what mistake you've made. I don't care what failures might have taken place in your life. I don't care where you came from, who your mother, your father was. I don't care what your uncle uh, did. Uh, I don't care who in your family is in prison or if you were yourself in prison. It does not matter. There's enough blood to cleanse you of all the toxic things in your life. There's enough blood to renew. There's plenty of blood. And if you need more, God will provide all the blood that you ever need to cover every sin that you've ever had. And when that takes place, you'll know what real rest is. But we can never afford to fall asleep.